Welcome to Woke and Wired, a new conversation about expanded consciousness and entrepreneurship. We are here to shift the paradigm of business and marketing and social media in this digital age of infinite possibility and bridge our inner technology, our intuition with outer technology through rituals, personal development tools, conscious business practices, spiritual tools, and the magical tool of social media. I am your host, Xenia, storyteller, conscious social media teacher, speaker, and a multidimensional traveler. Welcome to the new paradigm. Welcome back to Woken Wired. I'm your host, Xenia, and my guest today is Michelle Pelazone. She is the founder and CEO of Holisticism, a platform for more accessible, inclusive well-being for all. Holisticism provides low-cost resources and educational, alternative, complementary, and mystical wellness practices. You heard it right. In this conversation, we're going to be talking about bridging the mystic with the realistic. Michelle shares her story of being diagnosed with epilepsy at 17 and how that brought her into the world of wellness and holistic nutrition. She then spent six years in the world of tech before she launched Holisticism. She is a recipient of the Coco Klein Impact Foundation grant and is a startup boost and grid 110 accelerator alumni. She's also a certified Akashic Records reader. And that's actually how I learned about her. My friend Hillary, founder of The Dreamery, told me about Michelle and her work in this realm. This episode is two women coming together to discuss how to bring together strategy and intuition to build a business using digital tools. And one of the interesting things about Michelle's story that I think a lot of you will appreciate is that the fact that she wanted to build an online platform, but she had no interest in being an influencer. So listening to this conversation is here to open up different possibilities of how you can show up and build a business, build online impact, even if you're someone who doesn't want to be on camera. It's totally possible. We also talk about what to do if you're afraid of sales, and I have a whole episode on that coming up with Eric Brief, who is a sales expert. We also talk about facing limiting beliefs around money and using email marketing to create explosive growth of your online platform. I'm also super excited to share with you that I have partnered with Holisticism to lead a free workshop on the social media energy hygiene. Whether you're someone who spends a lot of time on social media or not, we are all impacted by the energies and the frequencies that are not seen but exist in those digital realms. So I'll be talking about not just creating healthy boundaries around social media and how you show up, but also how can you use the principles of energetics to make sure that when you post, the frequency of it is clean and it's impactful and it's expansive for those who are meant to come across it. So there's going to be a lot of really cool stuff. I've been thinking about creating a course on the same topic as well. So if you want to dip your toes into this world 
and I probably will also create some time for Q&A there, then join me on Monday, April 27th, 2020 at 3 p.m. Pacific time, 6 p.m. Eastern. I'm going to link to registration in the show notes on WokenWire.com. And even if you cannot attend live, you can sign up and you will get a replay. So if you're called to join me, please do. And Holisticism has a whole lineup of really awesome programming that is happening during the quarantine. So definitely take care of it. There's EFT tapping, there's astrology, building your online offerings, really cool stuff. You can see the full lineup on holisticism.com slash virtual dash workshops. If you enjoyed this conversation, please take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram stories and tag at holisticism and at woke and wired. I love seeing what you're taking away and leave a rating and a review to the podcast on iTunes. And before I introduce you to Michelle, I also wanted to tell you that I've started a new mini series on this podcast and it's all about growing on TikTok. I have noticed explosive growth and reach and engagement on TikTok like I've never seen on any of my other platforms in over 15 years on social media. So even though social media is what brings me my full-time income, none of my existing platforms have the kind of reach that my TikTok account has. I really feel that there's something interesting happening with TikTok in terms of possibility in the energetic realm. So I'm documenting my journey with you, the things I'm learning, how I'm being creative and playful and enjoying it. And the first episode is live both here on the podcast. It's right after episode 99 and also on YouTube. So you can watch it there or you can listen to it here. And the first episode documents my journey from zero to 3,000 followers. Next update will be 3,000 to 6,000 and then probably six to 10 because I'm close to that already. So if you're curious about TikTok, you've been hearing about it and you think you need to be 15 or you need to know how to dance or sing, just scratch all of that and know that you can be more yourself than you ever have been and reach more people than you ever have. Because TikTok right now feels like Instagram felt about eight years ago or so. So if you're curious, check it out. As always, all the links are in the show notes and on WokenWire.com. This is Michelle Palazone. All right, Michelle, I first heard about you and holisticism from my friend Hillary of The Dreamery. Oh, I love Hillary. She spoke so highly about you and your Akashic Records readings and just your refreshing business model. And I'm excited to chat with you and I have so many questions, but let's begin with what's out there on Instagram. So your personal account is Better by Michelle, if you guys want to find and follow along. And it says, Energy Conductor at Holisticism, Love is Metal Dude, Hyper Fifis, and Mosh Momos. So let's start piece by piece. Please tell us what it is that you actually do. I didn't think that my Instagram was going to be dissected, but I love it. So I am the CEO and founder of Holisticism. And yeah, that's what I do. But I do a lot of other things other than that. I'm a dog mom. I'm an Angelino. I live in Los Angeles. I'm a friend. I'm a lover. I'm all the things. But mostly, I, I like to think that I'm 
I crack myself up. So I put a lot of jokes on my Instagram. That helps. I think it's so important in the world of wellness, but really in the world to bring back humor because it's so easy to get so serious. Totally, totally. Like the the earnestness that we have when we enter the wellness space to create a better world for all people can get a little like Pollyanna if you don't have some <laughs> some humor about it. You know what I mean? Same thing with activism, which is something that, you know, I'm I'm certainly not an expert in, but that I cared very deeply about. It's it's really hard to show up every single day and fight really hard things if you can't also laugh about it or else you're gonna just cry all the time. Right, right. So energy conductor, how, when did you connect with the idea of energies? And at what point did you apply that and bring that into your business? Uh, great question. So I started having seizures when I was 17. And I was diagnosed with epilepsy around that time, but had no real clear diagnosis. Basically, my doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong with me or my brain, and they just knew I was having these crazy seizures. And the way that they described you know, these seizures to me at the time was there's electrical currents in your brain and impulses in your brain. That's what makes your brain fire. And your electrical impulses misfire, and they, they fire too often. So we, in order to fix you or help you, we need to slow down your brain's ability to fire. And that's essentially what an anticonvulsant seizure medication does or prescription medication does. So I'd been sort of like (laughs) introduced to this idea of energy and how my body conducts energy in sort of a wonky way at an early age before I really discovered energy healing and what what we talk about a lot in wellness, right? Vibes or whatever you want to call them. But that diagnosis at a young age that led to some really a tough a few really tough years um, in terms of my health and just walking through the world is eventually what led me into the wellness space. So, you know, I was put on this really intense prescription drug to slow down those electrical impulses and currents that made me really sick, gave me brain damage, and just made me not feel like myself. And I was really at my wit's end about four years after I'd been taking this drug every day. And by the way, I was supposed to take it every day for the rest of my life, which sounded horrible. And I had a teacher while I was studying in New York who said, who was a Reiki master, actually. And she suggested I go see someone who could maybe help me who wasn't a sort of normal doctor and practitioner. And I rolled my eyes because I just thought like, (laughs) if my UCLA neurologist can't help me, I don't know if your like witch doctor is going to be able to. But you know, when you're really sick, and I I think that you can relate, you'll do anything in order not to feel so sick and not to like basically want to die. So I went and saw this person as a last resort. And after one session with them, they did some energy healing, some somatic work, some past life regression stuff. And I never had another seizure again after that. So what? Yeah, yeah. And from one session, one session. And, and that really opened up, you know, it wasn't just that, but that you know, is many things in context, but that one session really opened me up to the idea of alternative and complementary medicine, of course, and that prescription drugs weren't the one and only thing that could help me. So, you know, I went back to school and I studied nutrition and learned all about how the ketogenic diet was developed for children with epilepsy in the 1920s, right? I started like doing more somatic therapy and trying to, you know, 
eliminate some of the trauma response that was stored in my body. And I started paying attention to how my body actually felt because I think as women, and to give some backstory, I was a professional dancer. So I grew up doing classical ballet. And the one thing that you're supposed to ignore and show up for on stage with a smile all the time is avoiding pain and pretending like pain isn't there, even though you're dancing on bleeding toes and you can barely move once you walk off stage. While you're on stage, you are performing and you're smiling like a princess. So I learned at a very young age that any pain or imperfection in my body was not to be accommodated and needed to be ignored or sort of shoved under the rug. And I think a lot of women can probably resonate with that regardless of whether they're professional ballet dancers. Right. And just allowing myself to feel my body for the first time really was like life-changing. So it was a lot of things and a lot of practices that I still take on today and and do in order to prevent potential seizures from happening again, because I definitely still get auras, which is a, it's kind of like before a migraine, it's a little flash that, or like a warning sign that you're about to enter a seizure episode. So when I have an aura, I lose my hearing and it, it feels a lot like in the movies, how they show psychics hearing the voices of everyone in the room, but kind of like they're all underwater. That's the feeling I get and the sense hearing sensation I get. And then I have about 30 seconds and then I know I'm going to have a seizure. So I still get little flickers of those auras that are much less intense than they used to be. But those are sort of warning signals to me, going back to your first question about energy, that I need to be thoughtful about my energy and what I'm taking in. And then use all the tools that I have in my toolkit to kind of figure out what I need to triage that situation, whether that's meditating or just drinking a glass of water or grounding myself, or maybe it's something like taking some herbs or maybe adding some CBD into my tonic, whatever it may be. So I feel like I totally went off on a tangent. (laughs) Did I answer your question? (laughs) You did. And I have more questions. And I find it so fascinating that you sharing about that one healing experience that just transformed your perspective, but really the access to this new way of living was being with your body, being present with what is and healing our body. And that's something I'm personally sitting with myself right now is this invitation to accept this human body as a vessel that will take me through this experience and trust that it is enough. Trust that this physical container and all its surroundings is exactly that's enough for this iteration of my soul, my energy to take me through. Mm -hmm. And it's like a such a high level concept. And I want to bring it right down into reality, which is I know something that you love doing on your site. One of the things you say is, you're the bridge between holisticism is the bridge between the mystic and the realistic. Mm -hmm. And I really want to get more into that. And particularly, I find that when someone has a wellness journey, a health story, or even like an emotional distanglement, and then rearrangement of self, usually, that person either goes and writes a book, or, you know, if they're called to make their story public, usually the routes are pretty pre-written. So it's either you write a book, you become a film director, you start a podcast, or you become an influencer and a wellness blogger. 
And this person who gets paid by brands to talk about CBD brands and other things that assist you on your wellness journey. And I find that your journey feels different because you chose to not be in a persona and an influencer and center your business around that, but you chose to build a platform. So will you tell us about, first of all, what is the structure of the business and what are the revenue streams? And then what led you to start that? Yeah, great questions. So I'll actually start at the back and then move to the front of your question. So I worked as a professional dancer in New York. I was a modern dancer and then got as on the side, I was a nutritionist and a trainer. And I ended up opening a studio, helping to open a studio there and then opening another studio here in California. And at a certain point, I just realized that although I was good at what I did, I didn't have, I felt like I didn't have the business acumen that I needed in order to run a successful business. And truthfully, I felt like I was kind of just helping rich white ladies get skinny. And that kind of wasn't the point of why I wanted to get into the wellness space. So I wanted to understand how businesses worked in order to help more people, to make a, a greater impact. Because when I looked around, corporations and people with tons of money were the ones who could really make an impact in a powerful way, it felt like to me. So I joined a tech startup when I was 24. Um, and really I was employee six there and I got to see some really amazing things that company ended up getting valued at about a hundred million dollars. And then from there, I joined a bunch of other startups at very early stages. So I got to see what it was like to build a business from the inside out. I feel like I got my MBA of the streets and to be like totally candid, I have a BFA in dance. So it wasn't like I was the most well-suited tech employee in the world. I got lucky and also I'm a white lady. So there's a, definitely a lot of privilege that went along with people just trusting me and um, hiring me. But um, that got me into the world of tech. And from tech, I really saw that if we build technology, technology can bridge the gap in so many ways. And it can really democratize many industries that have that are lacking that, right? I'm not I'm not a believer in all things tech, but I do think that tech can really progress us forward and can really level the playing field for so many people. And I felt when I first got my had my interaction in the wellness space that sort of blew my mind. I remember walking out of my appointment and thinking, you know, one in 10 people have a seizure disorder, which is millions of people all over the world. And I happened to be lucky enough to live in New York, to know this professor who knew this person who like was working out of their apartment in Brooklyn and didn't have a website and it would have been impossible to find them. And I knew that I had experienced something amazing in that room. I didn't know if it was going to last for a long time, but I just knew that my life would be changed. And I found it profoundly unfair that I had happened to get lucky enough to find this person. And that's a combination of luck and privilege. And it seemed like it couldn't possibly be that so many people out there just wouldn't have the opportunity be to get well because they didn't have access. So I'd been thinking about accessibility in the wellness space for a really long time. And when I decided to finally make holisticism, I'd been working in tech for about six years. And so I'd seen how you can scale a business and a company. I'd seen how you can use technology, um, how you can create 
programs and platforms to for accessibility and to democratize spaces. And I'd also seen how you can raise a lot of money um, in order to do that, even if you don't have a revenue model that makes you insanely profitable from the get-go. So I kind of was introduced to a different way of thinking about business, at least for me. I thought that you had to have, when you started a business or you were an entrepreneur, you had to have something that made you res- revenue positive in you know the first month, unless you had crazy amounts of savings. And that was just how it went. And that you had to take out a bank loan if you didn't have money. I'd never seen anything like what I saw in tech, which was people with crazy ideas, mostly men, mostly white men, who were asking like boldly for millions of dollars to go see if this experiment could work. And that was like crazy to me. So I started holisticism, you know, on the side while I was working at this tech company as a place to talk about wellness in an accessible way. Because at that time, I was thinking about accessibility in terms of tone, which was a very limited way of thinking about inclusion and accessibility and, you know, defining it. But I was looking around and seeing, to your point, influencers, bloggers, blonde celebrities turned wellness gurus who were talking about wellness in this super highfalutin, almost regal way that felt so not human. (laughs) It felt like so inaccessible. And it certainly wasn't what I wanted to read or hear about. I just wanted to hear people talk like normal people and be skeptical and love things like data and science and also love things like energy healing and have them be next to each other at the same time and not totally contradictory to each other. So that's why I started Holisticism. And I just started it as a newsletter. I had no aspirations of making it a business. And in fact, I said from the get-go that I I didn't ever want to have ads because I didn't want to be an influencer. And at that time, I said, I never want to make money off this. I just want it to be a thing that makes people's lives better. I want it to feel like a virtual hug. And if I've done that, then I've done my job. But now it's obviously my full-time job. So I do make money off holisticism. And I can tell you that when I first sort of set out to make this thing, I definitely had some limited beliefs around money. And I really thought that good people didn't make money. And I don't believe that anymore. But yeah, so it started out as a newsletter and a community. And so we would do events. And I really wanted to bridge the mystic with the realistic. So all of our events had a mystic aspect, for example, energy healing or money magic, and then a realistic aspect, like how to create a budget. And it just grew really fast, you know, from zero people to 500 people to 5,000 to now we're at close to 50,000 people in this community. And it all happened through organic growth of friends sharing with friends, sharing with friends. And I realized that, you know, I had worked at all these tech companies that started with zero community. And the thing that they wanted was to, was to get users. And that was like what my job was there. Um, and um, certainly a metric of success was having a community behind you who believed in you and what you did and who were engaged and who participated in the conversation that you're bringing to the table. So I knew I had something special. It just was a matter of me being creative and thinking, how can I serve my community in a different way, in a more valuable way, in a more creative way? And so I kind of went back to my original thesis of 
making wellness practitioners more accessible and more available because of my experience. And I realized that some barriers, and I'm certainly not the first to think of this, but barriers to entry are, you know, of course, affordability, but more importantly, geography. So if you're not in New York or LA, it's really, really hard to find practitioners, especially a few years ago, who could work with you, let alone who were, you know, vetted and good. So I set out to build some software and to make, you know, to make it easier for wellness practitioners to run the back end of their business. So I ended up doing that and I sort of jerry-rigged together some software. I built a product myself and it had a booking and scheduling and payment processing aspect to it. And so I ended up building that and having hundreds of practitioners join the platform. And so that was my first revenue stream, which was really cool to see. And that actually sort of triggered me to go out and fundraise. And so I spent some time fundraising and that is a whole other conversation. And (laughs) I'm happy to talk about that at another time because it totally is another conversation. But I realized after a year, almost a year of doing the work of fundraising and, and essentially raising half a million dollars that it was really out of alignment with who I was and what I wanted to create in the world. And taking on investors is, is another animal, is another beast entirely especially investors who don't quite understand the wellness space yet. And I had to realize where my limitations were and what I could do and what I couldn't do. And I also had a really terrible experience fundraising, experiencing a lot of sexism and misogyny and sexual harassment from everyone from male investors to male potential CFOs and COOs. So people who wanted to work with me who it was crazy. That level of sexism and misogyny, I hadn't experienced outright in that way before. And so the whole experience really turned me off from raising money. And that was horrifying because I'd spent a year, more than a year, a year and a half, figuring out what I was going to do once I had this massive amount of capital to sort of float me until I made my business revenue positive because that's essentially why you raise capital, right? Because your business is a good idea, but you need a lot to scale it and in order for it to actually be a viable, healthy business. You know, Amazon didn't start making a profit until a couple of years ago, which is insane, right? So when I decided to stop fundraising and to turn down the most amount of money I'd ever thought about ever in my life, Number one, huge act of privilege that I was able to do that, that I had a support system around me that said, like, well, you've got this. If that's the right decision for you, then you have to do it and you'll figure it out. But I also (laughs) had to figure out how to make my business profitable in about three months because that was kind of the timeline that I had in terms of savings. And I had planned to make my business profitable in a year and a half with, you know, using $500,000 worth of cash to get it there. So I really had to pivot in terms of my thinking and also how to make money. So kind of looked at what I had and what I was good at and also what people kept asking me for and kept wanting to pay me for. And, you know, I'm sure that you can relate, but while you're bootstrapping a business or essentially self-funding a business, you take on a lot of 
consulting work or whatever. You, you take on whatever you can in order to float that business to keep it going because you believe in it. And so I had done all this consulting work, helping people grow their businesses and grow their brands and in the way that I do it, which is an intuitive way, using things like astrology and the Akashic Records and energy and like, you know, building a PL, a profit and loss sheet, all in the same sort of formula. And so I started talking about that and wanting to teach that. And I also had people coming to me who had been fans of holisticism for years at this point saying like, I've opened this newsletter every week for three years and you've done this for free and I want to deepen this relationship and I want to learn more and I want to have more conversations and I want to meet more people who are like me because I feel like I don't have a community that wants to talk about the intersection of politics and activism and wellness. And where else does that exist? So I had these a couple of opportunities available to me. So I started sort of teaching the practitioners that I had taken on on the marketplace that I'd built how to really run their businesses because and now I'm getting a little long-winded, but you know, part of what you see when you're running a technology company is you see data. So I got to see the data behind the data sets behind all hundreds, thousands of practitioners, and I could see what worked and what didn't work. And that was something that many of them didn't have access to. So many wellness practitioners get into what they do because they love it, not because they have a business background. And as a result, they often get burnt out, they lose money, and they, or they feel like they're just like constantly on this cycle of trying to get more clients and failing and struggling. And I knew that there were just a few levers they could pull, like understanding how email marketing worked, or even just understanding what a value proposition was in their business that could help them float and make it be easier and less of a struggle. And help them focus on what they were here to do, which was helping people, not how they were going to make their next paycheck. So now our revenue streams are, we have a couple revenue streams. And generally, you know, two to three revenue streams is good. Anything more than that, you're all over the place. You want to, in your business, you want to be as specific as, as possible and really be clear on what your value proposition is. And your value proposition is simply, what do people pay you to do? So we teach courses and we teach practitioners how to run their businesses on the back end. And then we have a membership community who, where we support them by providing deeper content on all things that holisticism cares about, which is the intersection of wellness, technology, politics, and activism. Wow. So the business side of it is not something that I saw even available on the website now. Is that something that's kind of hidden or closed right now? Yeah. We don't advertise it because listen, like I'm a I'm triple water. So I'm a Pisces, Pisces Sun, Cancer Rising, Scorpio Moon, and I'm a projector in human design. I'm like the least salesy person on the planet. <laughs> and I actually get mortified when I see like super salesy people. It's the biggest turnoff to me. So what I try to do is provide value. And so I do that through our blog posts. I do that through our weekly newsletter. And I do that through other things like, you know, free courses that we have on our site. So we have a 14-day free Akashic Records course that's up that people can start interacting with. And once people interact with me, then they start to learn a little bit more. And from there, I send out emails that just maybe one or two emails basically that say, 
here's this opportunity. We're running this class for the next couple of weeks. And if you want to be in it, great. And then if they do, people sign up. And if they don't, that's okay too. But my job is to provide content in an accessible way. So I provide a lot of free content. And then if people choose to go deeper, then they can. And we make that available too. But I don't want that to be you know, the center of my focus because my focus is really like making the wellness space accessible and inclusive. So right now, if someone goes on your site, and by the way, I think we're total opposites because I'm a triple fire and I'm a manifester. Oh yeah, you're like sell, sell, sell. And I'm like, could we just, maybe we could just send them some free stuff for a while, you know? (laughs) You know, I wasn't always comfortable with sales either. I'm just stepping into that. And it just took, like what you said about changing mindset about money. For me, it's been the same about sales. I don't even see it as sales. I also used to get very turned off. I And anytime I would identify anything as salesy, from my perspective, I would be like, oh, this feels icky. And then I would, you know, if, when I get real with myself, I look at some of those people that occur salesy and I see they're running multi-million dollar businesses and people are getting so much value from it. So I just, as of recently, I'm kind of dropping any kind of ego thoughts that are stopping me from offering value to people and just putting it all out there. And I trust that whoever resonates with it will, will get it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, every time to like, uh, this is totally real. Every time I send out an email where I'm offering a product that I'm asking people to pay money to participate in, I get a total like heart palpitation. And then I remember that for the last three years of my life, I've dedicated my time to making things free and helping people as much as humanly possible. And that for everything that I do sell or that I do teach, and I ask people to pay me for my time and energy for, I have so many resources that are so free and and so available to them. And that I'm not asking or begging people to do anything or forcing them to do anything. All that I'm doing is helping them make a clear decision for themselves about what they want to do in the future and what they want their life to look like. And so that has helped me basically the idea that I'm just helping people make a decision to put myself out there a little bit more and also be unapologetic of what I'm really good at and what people, namely corporations, pay me thousands and thousands of dollars to do that I can offer individuals for a super cheap rate. So if I can democratize myself, then like, great, that's kind of why I'm here. Right. Right. So it's going back to the revenue streams. It's the virtual workshops. It is the course teaching practitioners how to get their business out there. And it's the membership community. And it's brand partnerships, correct? Yeah, we do. We do some brand partnerships, but for the most part, those are like events or a series of events. So we don't do any sponsorship or anything like that. I personally am so burnt out with the affiliate model that I see and that I've seen forever. That's how I helped, you know, many of the startups that I've worked at, that's how they've built their communities is through affiliates. And to me, it just doesn't ring true and anymore. And so I never wanted to really participate in that. But yeah, brand partnerships in terms of like, you know, doing hosting events or co-creating content together or partnering up for workshops, definitely. And there's certainly a way to monetize that in a powerful way. That's so interesting. So you started a few minutes ago 
by saying that you didn't want to be an influencer because, and then after that, what you said is there was a limiting money mindset that perhaps was associated with it. So I find that the influencer industry is completely shifting now. And I'm actually just, I'm very lit up by the affiliate stuff for the first time. I was very, very shut down from it for years and I didn't see possibility in it. But now everything's changing and I'll be talking more about that on the podcast. But I I think there's so much opportunity in affiliate, but there's also so much opportunity in what you're already doing, which is partnering with brands in ways that are outside the box. So instead of like a transactional thing where we'll pay you and you include us in your blog post or Instagram post, instead of that, you're partnering together with brands who have similar values and create experiences that give people a felt transformation. Yeah. And just in terms of like seeing, because at the end of the day, for me, everything goes back to data and analytics. So when I see how things perform, right? Like we have a newsletter of 50,000 people. We have a click-through rate of like 35%, which is insanely high. Normally a click-through rate on an email list of that size is like 1%, 2%. So when I see how our content performs or what we put out there performs in terms of for our partners, what I'm motivated to do is make an amazing experience for my community. Because I know that when I do that, it's way more impactful and way more powerful for the brand that I'm working with and I believe in and for my community members. And that's what I care about, right? First and foremost is my community and serving them. So I think totally like double clicking on your, on your point, we can create really beautiful and meaningful brand experiences that don't just have to be a blog post with a hyperlink, right? Right. Okay. I want to get more into both the pragmatic and the mystical. Let's start with the pragmatic. So you mentioned that the, first of all, to anyone who hasn't yet checked out Holisticism on Instagram, I want to bring to everyone's attention that your email list is almost double your Instagram following. So your email is about 50,000, your Instagram is about 30,000. And it's so refreshing to hear because I think in this digital age, we get so carried away with giving way too much energy to our Instagram accounts and to thinking that by growing them, we'll get access to something we don't have access to now, when in fact, we have access to everything we need now. We need to start monetizing as soon as possible, if that's what we're called to do. And I'm curious, you know, you said that the email growth was organic and mostly by people sharing it. Were there any strategies you implemented that you can share with people? Because a lot of the people listening are like conscious entrepreneurs, healers, and creatives who are completely 100% aligned with everything you're saying. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the first thing that I did, I'll tell you, is so embarrassing. I'm actually teaching a class on this on Sunday, which this podcast will probably come out far, far after the class is over. But the first thing that I did was I asked the first 100 people to be on my newsletter. I asked them in person if they were okay with me adding them to a newsletter list. And so that was both the stupidest decision I could have ever made and also the most brilliant. (laughs) I couldn't have planned that. And let me tell you, like, it was totally a response from like me being terrified to put myself out there and being so mortified that people would judge me for thinking that I wanted to be the center of attention or blah, blah, blah. So I literally took a hundred people out to coffee or called them on the phone and they were friends or they were people I'd met in the industry or they were, you know, people that I'd work with in tech. 
And I just told them like, I'm starting this thing. I really care about it. This is what I want it to feel like. This is what I want it to be like. This is how I want you to feel when you read it. And would it be okay if I added you on this newsletter list? And if it's not okay, just let me know or like just unsubscribe. But I wanted to let you know that I'm going to be sending an email and like you're going to be on it. (laughs) And the resounding, like the resounding feedback was, I can't believe you hadn't done this already. And of course I'll support you. And like, of course, that's amazing. I can't wait to read it. And what I had unwittingly done in that moment by getting really personal with these people and taking time out of my day and also hearing them was number one, I got my first set of customer interviews or client interviews. So I started to understand what people wanted and needed as opposed to projecting what I thought they needed by opening myself up to them and saying, I'm starting this thing. And like, what do you want to read about? What do you care about? I got their buy-in really early. And I also had a bunch of data sets and data points to, to look at and take into consideration as I continued to build out holisticism. And by really asking people to be part of my community personally, I sort of asked them to become super fans and to become like influencers for me. And so what I noticed was at least for that, you know, that first year, people would add their friends by just CCing them in on the email and replying back to me. And so they'd add 10 people, 15 people. And so I'd write, thank you so much. And then I'd write to every single person on that email individually. And I'd say, I'm really excited to meet you. So happy that you're part of holisticism. And I want to get to know you. So are you free to hop on a 15 minute call? Cause I just want to hear like what you're about. And people were so <laughs> like people that I was so weird. I got so many people who were like, I can't, why do you want to talk to me? <laughs> and now in hindsight, I'm totally like that. I get it. That was so weird, but I wanted to know people and I wanted to know what they wanted. And it also gave me an opportunity to clearly explain why I was doing this thing, to tell them a little bit about my story and what I cared about and to hear from them. And those conversations, while totally unscalable, like I probably did a thousand calls in the first year. That was like, there were days where I would just lay on my bed and I'd have 10 calls and it was like a Saturday and I would just like take every single one. And it was amazing. Like it's giving me chills thinking about it now because it was so rejuvenating and exciting. And it reminded me who I was talking to because I literally knew who I was talking to. And it also made those people want to support me because they knew me. And that really, again, totally not scalable, right? But the great thing about beginning a business is that in the first year, you can do everything that's not not scalable. Like that's totally fine because you don't have the numbers yet. So don't worry about necessarily like, doing things that make sense, quote unquote, do things that you're called to do and be open to getting really deep with your community and, and creating real relationships with your community, not pseudo relationships or one-sided relationships. And I love that so much bringing the human back into the game. Yeah. And cause like at the end of the day, why are we doing this? Right? Like, why do you want to gr- create a community? It's, I'm certain it's not because you just want to be a cult leader at the top of it, right? I'm, I'm certain it's because you're craving community too. And so what's the point of like creating a community if, if you're not connected to anyone in it? And so, yeah, that was, that was the first year. And that was really, I think, why it scaled so quickly, even though we didn't have a website, we didn't have an Instagram. 
for the first six months, we didn't have a website there. It was impossible to sign up for the newsletter, which is also like totally breaks my brain and makes me anxious as someone who used to work in tech. Like you want to make it as easy as possible for people to say yes to you. So like definitely get a way for people to sign up for your newsletter list or make a lead magnet that makes it easy for people to want to opt into what you're selling them or you're giving to them. But it's kind of remarkable that we were able to grow so fast, even though I I put in all these impediments for people to be able to join. It was really cool. And then, you know, creating some really, I think that's the first step, right? Create your real fans and the people who really care about you, who aren't just like affiliates or influencers or, or brands who are giving you street cred. Because real people care about what their friends care about. And then once you have a pretty solid community, then you can go out to brands that you love and who you respect. And you can say, let's do a partnership or, you know, look at my numbers. They're really good. Look at the interaction. Look at what people are saying. You can forward them emails. That's what I used to do from members who would say like, oh my God, this is the best part of my week. And I love everything that you write in here. And like, please keep going. And I would forward that to brands that I wanted to work with and say, I think that this would be really good for you. I know that I have a small reach, but like, look who I can reach and look where I've worked before and look at what we're talking about here and why it's important and why I'm different. And a lot of people passed on me (laughs) and that's okay. But a lot of people said yes. So yeah, I, I don't think that there's, I know that there's a growth formula and I think it's a little overrated. And of course, after a certain point, there are things like creating lead magnets and funnels and webinars that make it much easier for you to grow at scale. So now when we do a free workshop, you know, we'll have 700 people sign up and that grows your email list. You can imagine pretty quickly if you're able to do that and you can do that without Facebook ads. You know, you can do that without Instagram ads. You can do that without having a crazy social media following if you you sort of strategize yourself. But at the beginning, it's really about creating a real connection with people and also creating a product that people love and a good product. And I think that that's what you should care about the most when you first get started. Is this good? (laughs) And is this valuable? And do people want it? And would I want it if I was out there? Would I want to, would I look forward to this? So yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah. And I love what you said about how systems are overrated. I feel the same way that the only way to be successful in this new paradigm. And when I say successful, I mean both personally fulfilled and serving a community and creating something with a good ripple effect on many levels. We need to take into account both the systems and the energetic paradigm. And I've lived by the intuitive energetic paradigm and relied my whole business on it for a long time. And now for the first time, I'm kind of dropping the layers and shedding the layers of my ego that were stopping me from embracing, like truly trying on the systems that people with huge businesses know work. And it's really eye-opening. And there's such magic that happens when we allow the two coexist. And I'm curious. So we'll get back into the pragmatic side. I had a couple more specific questions, but for now, you know, on the mystical side of things, Akashic Records, what is your way of merging the strategic and the mystical? Do you, like, where's the line between intuition and the planning? Yeah, well, everything starts with intuition. That is like the seed. So, you know, your business idea, your your passion, your vision, that's all, that's all intuitive to me. 
And it's so much easier, at least I found when I was making decisions for the first time, it's so much easier to trust your intuition because there are a million people out there online (laughs) on podcasts like this, mentors, you know, people telling you what to do and all the advice is contradictory. (laughs) Like I remember when I was fundraising, I would talk to one person about fundraising and they'd tell me one thing. And then I'd talk to someone else later in that, that afternoon and they'd tell me the exact opposite. And, you know, they've both been successful in their own rights. And so I was like, who am I supposed to believe? And it goes back to, well, what feels aligned with you when you really get quiet with yourself and you get clear and you're allowing, as you put it, those layers to sort of drop away that may be ego or shadow or limiting beliefs or conditioning from society about what's correct and what you're supposed to do, what feels good for you right now? And you should do that. (laughs) So I think that most businesses don't start from that place. I think most businesses start from, I think I should do this thing. And so I'm going to do this thing because this is how everyone does it. But we're learning really quickly that just because everyone's done something a certain way doesn't mean it's the best way to do it, right? And sort of like intuitive eating how there's no one diet necessarily that's perfect for everyone. And that maybe the best thing we can do is just listen to what's right for us right now in every moment. Maybe we can run our businesses that way too. So I try to start with my intuition and then I look at what does that want to, what does that want to be? What does that want to become? What is my gut telling me people need? And how can I use the skills that I've taken a long time to cultivate, which are pragmatic skills, to bring that into the world. And, and like, that's a balancing act. So it's, again, not a perfect formula. But, you know, I use my Akashic Records, I became a certified Akashic Records reader a couple years ago. And I'm certified, I don't know if you're like this, because you're all fire. You probably are. But like, I pick up certifications all the time. And I'm just like a crazy learner. I love to learn, even if I don't actually, you know, become an energy healer to many, many people, I want to be Reiki attuned. Even if I don't read the records for thousands, I love being a certified Akashic Records reader. I just like having those tools in my toolkit. So for me, I use my Akashic Records often, almost every day. And I'll ask about things like pricing or when's the best date to launch this thing? Or what am I overlooking here that will help it meet the people that it needs to meet? And how can I support that? And sometimes I get really esoteric answers, like the weirdest answers, like you need to start adding honey into your coffee. And I'm like, that has nothing to do with pricing. And sometimes I get things like an exact number that's way beyond you know, what I had imagined or way less than I had sort of set out in the beginning. Or I'll get really clear instructions of, you know, you need to pay attention to your copyright and you need to pay attention to this. And it will be more beneficial for you if you publish this as a blog post versus an Instagram post or whatever it may be, especially for partnerships. I've noticed that using my intuition around who to reach out to and why has been very helpful. In yeah. So for those who are newer to Akashic Records, will you explain a little bit about what it is? Oh yeah, they're awesome. So first, like we go super deep on holisticism. So if you go to holisticism.com and then just search Akashic Records, I have a really like a 5,000 word blog post about this. And we also have a 14 day Akashic Records like sort of workshop, email workshop that's 
free. So I send you a prompt every day on how to open your records and how to use them. So if you want to like double click on this, definitely go check those two things out. They're free. Um, but the Akashic records are this system that's been around, you, you could say forever, but really came into our consciousness in the last hundred years or so that the Akasha, which is the sort of life force energy that exists above this plane that we're on, this sort of 3D level, contains everything that has been, will be, and is going to be. It's sort of like the hard drive of the universe, so or, or the cloud of the universe, I guess. And we can essentially plug in to this giant store of information And we can extract the information that we need. So the Akashic records, there's an Akashic record for the universe, right? But there's an Akashic record for every single person. There's an Akashic record for your dog. There's an Akashic record for your house. Everything has a record. And we can open the records of that thing in order to get more information about it. The Akashic records show the most likely outcome based on the trajectory that we're already on. So it's not necessarily divination, although sometimes you'll get information about the future or about what's going to happen. But usually it's more information about what, how to interact with the thing that you're asking about. So, you know, I can open your Akashic records, I can open up my Akashic records, or I could open up the records of our relationship. And I can see maybe we had a past life together, or maybe the reason that we're coming into each other's lives is for X, Y, Z. I can open up the Akashic record of my business. Oh yeah, do that. Let's see. <laughs> well, I can't I can right now if you want, but I the way that we open the records is we say a pathway process prayer. So you can either there's many ways to open the records, but the easiest way is through the pathway process prayer, which anyone can do it. The pathway process prayer was created by Dr. Linda Howe, and she has a lot of great books. Um, she's who trained my teacher, and my teacher is her master teacher. So I trained underneath her. My teacher is Helen Vonderheide. And Dr. Linda Howe has written many books on the Akashic Records, and you can check them all out for yourself. She's awesome. But there's lots of ways to open the records. You can get into very deep meditation. You can go sit on top of a mountain for many years, or you can say this this prayer. And so you say the prayer out loud. It's on the site. You can download it for free. You can also just Google it. And then you sit. And the way that we interact to get the most out of the Akashic Records is we ask them questions. So I love this practice because there actually is so much thought that goes into structuring your questions. And I don't know if you've ever read tarot for yourself or if you've done automatic writing or anything like that, but I'm sure that you've had the experience of like wanting the answer to something like, when am I going to meet my soulmate? Right. And then when you actually like write that down, you're like, "Mm, maybe the question is more like, what do I need to do in order to be prepared to meet my soulmate? Or like, what am I looking for in a soulmate? Or what is it that I think I need that I don't already have? And so writing down questions, and we write down questions that are who, what, where, when, why, yes or no questions. Or- are those questions something you worked with? Because I saw a picture of a ring on your Instagram. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just recently got engaged. And yeah, I actually did ask about my future partner. I asked all about Ethan. It has got to be its own course, huh? <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, it was, I mean, really wild. I'll tell you a funny story, actually, about now that you open that up. So I'm like, you know, a little bit obsessed with my with my partner. He's the best person ever. 
but I had gone through. He's the one who wrote me an email pitching you to be on the podcast. Yeah, he did. I get pitches probably every day. And I, 99% of the time, I don't respond to them because on my website, it says I'm not accepting guest submissions. Like for me, it just is very intuitive. If someone flows into my field of awareness and it feels right and it clicks in, we record. But other than that, I just uh, normally don't record with people I've never met or had a conversation with. But, and also because those pitches, 99% of the time, they're copy paste. There is absolutely no like human or true connection in it. And Ethan's email to me was just so profoundly deep. He just really, he was like, I listened to your episode about SEO and spirit. It's spot on. That's what we're all about, holisticism. And he just, you know, everything was just like, whoa, it feels like whatever is meant to happen from this connection, there's just so much alignment on every level that I must have this conversation with Michelle. So yes, he's amazing. I attest to that. Yeah, he's amazing. And he actually, you know, he doesn't like work for me, work for me, but he's a manifesting generator. So he's really good at pitching. Like that's what he's good at. And I'm a projector, so I'm not really supposed to pitch myself. (laughs) And so when we're like, you know, we're talking about things that we want and, you know, he's holding space for my vision and how I can grow my company and how I can help more people and who I want to have conversations with because, oh man, I want to have so many conversations. He does a really good job of being like, you know what, I'll pitch that person or like, you should talk to that person. So he did that. And thank God, because, you know, you probably, maybe you wouldn't have listened if I pitched you myself, but anyways, he's the best. And before I met him, I met him very like kismetly. But I was asking the records, like, when am I going to meet my person? What's the deal? Like, come on. What do I need to do to, like, attract my, my partner in? And they were like, you have to start wearing rib, uh, flowers in your hair. And I thought it was the most anti-feminist, stupid thing I had ever heard of. And I, I really, like, kind of went to town with them. And I was like, that's so reductive. And that, like, typical male gaze, patriarchy shit. Like, this can't be real. And, you know, my, my records told me that the reason I should wear flowers in my hair is because I didn't take care of myself. And I didn't, this actually circled all the way back to the beginning of our conversation about being in this physical body. And I took this physical body for granted and I should adorn it more and exalt it more because I was lucky to have it. And I kind of got scolded a little bit and I was like, damn, okay. So I just started walking with more purpose and confidence and, and also put flowers in my hair. That was the summer that I would just like put a couple flowers in my ponytail. And two weeks after I started doing that, I shit you not, that's when I met Ethan. I met him at a dinner party that I I didn't really want to go to. I'm a total introvert and was about to cancel on this dinner that ended up going. And then we started talking. And in the first five minutes, we both figured out that we had seizures. And I don't normally lead with epilepsy as a pickup line, but it worked this time. And my partner, Ethan, has stage three brain cancer. So he was having seizures at the, at the time too, still has seizures. And we got really deep, really fast. And that was like almost two years ago. And now we're engaged. So we're very, very lucky, but who knows what I would have, you know, would I have met him? Maybe, probably, if I wasn't wearing flowers in my hair. Would I have walked into the room in the same way? Probably not. And who knows if we'd be together, but I like to think that 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 made an impact or that 
that changed the sort of trajectory of our relationship. Wow. I love that we got into that. That was totally unplanned part of the conversation. (laughs) I know. Normally I don't talk so much about my love life, but I'm happy to. Okay. So we're almost at time. I have two more questions for you. Akashic Records is something I got into it maybe seven, eight years ago. I bought the book you mentioned, and then I just wasn't really feeling connected to it. And since then I've had some readings, but I find that for me, just doing meditation and breath work and other practices brings me to that field of all knowing much more effectively than the Akashic Records. Like to me, I call it intuition. I call it divine guidance. From your perspective, as someone who's certified with Akashic Records reading, is it the same thing and just different ways to access it? Mm, Good question. Yeah, I think that we're all intuitive and we're all psychic. And our higher self, or like I call it my future self, because my future self is a little easier to connect to, has lots of information. And that's all that, that being psychic or being intuitive is, right? It's just taking in information and then deciding what to do with it. So the Akashic Records are another type of information. Just like when you walk outside and you feel the temperature of the air on your skin and you smell like the sort of foggy mist, wet morning, that's, those are two very valid sources of information. And they're not necessarily telling you different things, but together they're telling you a lot about the environment that you're in. And then, you know, add in your eyesight and what you're taking in visually, you've got a full picture. So to me, I view the Akashic Records as just another one of those senses that gives me information. When I tap into my higher self, I definitely get a lot of info, but I have blind spots when I tap into my own intuition. When I tap into the Akashic Records, I very often get more information that sort of fills out my perception of the world or my perception of a situation. And usually it's really candid (laughs) and it is like not as flowery and sort of highfalutin as my like intuition comes to me. It's usually like loud, clear, and fast and like kind of no bullshit, which I love because that's really different than how I experience things like the tarot and my own intuition and meditation and mantra. I love that explanation. It makes me want to dive deeper and give Akashic Records another chance. Yeah, I mean, try it. And, you know, not everything resonates with everyone, and that's okay. And we also grew out of things, you know. I used to be super into tea ceremony, where I would give myself tea ceremony every morning. And that was like, I would wake up extra early, like at 4.30, so I could spend 30 minutes doing tea. And it was so important to me and to my intuition. And then eventually, I just kind of grew out of it. And I'd love to revisit it. It's still important to me, but it's not as it's not as integral to my practice as it used to be. But I like I like that I can always revisit it when I want to. Yes, I'm getting like a full body exhale, not even like a physical exhale, but an energetic exhale, because <laughs> what everything that we've been talking about is pointing to is creating these different tools and points of access for people to connect deeper to the wisdom that's within their bodies already stored there. And that's what I see you really doing with holisticism and it's so inspiring and cool that you're doing it, even though it's not in your design to sell, even though, you know, you didn't want to be an influencer. And then you figured out a way to work with brands that feels aligned. And I think it's this new paradigm is all about that is finding a way to do things, do business in a way that feels true to us. And you're just an embodiment of that. So the question I want to wrap up with is with running holisticism, with creating products, 
running webinars, having so many people join your email list, selling products, having a membership, coaching people, doing consulting, working with brands, all these different things that you have done to fulfill the purpose of your business. What are some of the top lessons you have learned and kind of what gets you excited in terms of thinking about the future of your business and where you want to take it? Well, okay. That's a, that's a heavy question. I think what gives me infinite energy is the truth. So shining a light on things that have been in the darkness. And I think that was the original intent of holisticism was to bring these things like sort of spiritual sort of what people would call woo-woo things out of the closet and out into the real world and sit them next to our pragmatic selves and be like, we can be both these things at the same time. It's not crazy. And so what I'm passionate about is shining a light on things that deserve and are asking to be lit up and to be acknowledged. And yes, that is like definitely running an intuitive and spiritual business and aligned business that is talking about the rampant white supremacy <laughs> that in exclusivity of the wellness space and how we need to prioritize diversity and inclusion and in everything that we do or else we're just sort of perpetuating the worst parts of capitalism and putting a spiritual twist on it and continuing to empower people to show up for themselves and give them all the tools that they need to be successful. Because at the end of the day, that's my job is just to give you the tools and to show you all the information and then say, and it's your job <laughs> and your choice to wield it and to use it in whatever way makes sense to you and lights you up. But my job is to like, prep that info for you, to show you the books to read, to tell you, to teach you how to do the thing, to introduce you to the amazing practitioner or practice that you've never heard of. And then you can make the call for yourself because I'm not your mom <laughs> and I'm not your boss. And I don't need to tell you like what you need to do. You have infinite wisdom inside of you. You know yourself better than anyone else on the planet and you know what's right for you. I love that. I'm so glad. Thank Ethan for arranging this conversation. And how should people connect with you if they want to dive deeper into Akashic Records or human design or join your list? Yeah, totally easy. You can go to the website, holisticism.com. You can also find us on Instagram, although I'm not as active on our holisticism Instagram. You know, we kind of brushed over it, but it's to me not the most important part of my business, nor is it adding to my value proposition in a valuable way. But you can find us there. We're pretty funny. And joining the email list and the newsletter is the best way to, to keep it up with kind of what we're up to. And then, yeah, you can also just always DM me. <laughs> That's the great thing about technology. It's really easy to find people now and to tell them what you think. So if you have questions, my DMs and my email is always open. And I try to reply to every single email that I get. And usually that's with a video message. I use this thing called Loom, which I'm obsessed with. And so if you have questions, I'm, I'm happy to answer them. And yeah, I'm just grateful to anyone who crosses our path and who wants to go deeper on any of this stuff. And if I can be helpful, then great. <laughs> Use me. I love that. Thank you so much. This was Michelle Pelzon from Holisticism. I would love to hear your takeaways from this conversation. 
I have had many. One of them is my intention to be more consistent with email marketing. I would love to hear your takeaways and things that you are implementing. And as I mentioned in the beginning of this conversation, I'm hosting a free workshop with Holisticism on social media energy hygiene on April 27th. If you are listening to this after the workshop, then get on my email list on wokenwire.com and I'll make sure that next time I'm leading something like this, I will share it with you and you can save your spot that way. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes and share it with a friend who you think could benefit from the message. Find all the show notes and all the resources on WokenWired.com and also join the WokenWired podcast listener Facebook group. It's a private group where you can connect with people who are like-minded and say hello on Instagram. Find me at Woke and Wired. Stay woke, stay wired, and take three deep breaths right now.